Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2018. And on this lucky episode 13 of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with the creator behind Visual Media Church and Stock Hub, James Adams. This week's episode is sponsored by StockUp. StockUp is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited, license-free 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. From aerials to missions videos to Christmas to Easter, StockUp has everything you need, and they're adding 1,000-plus new clips each month. Stop hundreds of dollars per clip and get all the 4K ProRes files you need for only $25 a month. StockUp is the source for unlimited stock video for only $25 a month. Download an unlimited amount of files, no contract, and no licenses. If you want to give StockUp a try, right now they're offering full access to their entire library for free for the first 14 days. All you have to do is go to StockUp.com slash Creative Church. That's S-T-O-K-H-U-B.com slash C-R-T-V Church. That's S-T-O-K without a C, stock up without a C. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. My name is Nick Gunner, and joining me today is the man himself, Roscoe Jones. Roscoe, welcome to the podcast. Hello again. Hey, um, <laughs> before we get started here, I, w- I do want to ask you a question. Why is your Instagram name Roscoe Jones? Roscoe Jones. I, I mean, to my knowledge, you, your name might be Roscoe, but I, totally, I don't think your last yeah, name is Jones. it's totally... Uh, kind of a non sequitur it can seem like because my name is Ross Montgomery. But uh Roscoe is just a nickname I get about every place I go. Um I it is not a self appointed um nickname. So don't don't think that. But uh <laughs> yeah, no, Roscoe has been a na- a nickname that's kind of followed me from college and on. And then um Jones is uh I started, you know, when social media started getting popular and whatnot. Uh, Jones soda is one of my favorite sodas. And so I was like, I'm just going to tack that on the end of my nickname. So, and I thought it kind of sounded cool, like Roscoe Jones, you know, kind of like Roscoe. What was it? What is the, uh, oh gosh, who does that character? Like Roscoe Jenkins or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, but I thought it sounded good together and uh, it's kind of just become what I always keep. So what you're telling me is you changed your name essentially. Not, you just said I want to pick legally, a new name. Not legally. Not legally, but on on Instagram, which if you change it on Instagram, you've changed it legally. If it's not yeah, if it's real in social media, the social media is like the matrix. If what happens in social media is real. I, I think what you're saying Always. is we're in the matrix. Yeah. And that was very meta to even reference it. Because we already live in the matrix. Yeah. That's that's a fact. That's true. I, you know, Elon Musk believes it, I believe it, so therefore mm. it's it's true. Um, I, you know, we haven't talked in a while. Last week we were off because of unforeseen circum- circumstances on my part. Or is it is it unforeseen or sloppy wet circumstances? I per- sloppy wet circumstances sound sloppy very wet. sketchy. I don't know. We'll okay, so we'll say whatever. unforeseen, unforeseen circumstances. In your case, yes, unforeseen. Yeah, unforeseen would be yeah, the my, best way to. My great grandfather passed away, so we had to go to Tennessee on the fly to go see him, or not see him, but uh, be there for the funeral. And so condolences, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was it was sad. But, you know, the great thing is how my family can kind of turn things around real quick. So we were, we were already, you know, telling stories and jokes and everything. So it was really yeah. great. Kind of a great um, remembrance and celebration of his life. I like that a lot yes. better than kind of focusing on, you know, the death side the of sadness. things. <laughs> I yeah. prefer to so focus we, on, oh, man, I remember this funny time when. Yeah, we, we did a lot of that last Good. week. And 
we had to clean out his house. Um, he was ah. the last of our great grandparents. So we had to clean out his house. So we found we found all this really cool stuff that's like you know a hundred years old because he was ninety three. So it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty pretty spectacular week. But needless to say, we were off. So we haven't talked in a while. So let me catch up. How thing how are things going on in Colorado? How are things going with you? Um, doing doing pretty well here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think all my kids are finally not sick all at the mm. same time. So that's, that's praise a the good, Lord. Yes. Praise the Praise Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's there's just kind of a lot of stuff going on. Um, our our pastor's son had some crazy medical stuff oh, happen, yeah. and uh, but but he's progressing really well in recovery. And for, and, for and, everyone that doesn't know, what 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 happened to your pastor? Uh, yeah, it's it's not a big secret or anything, but um, mm-hmm. he got an infection in his brain real quick, and it spread real fast, and um. They literally had to like open his brain and clean it out and have been working on that, but it's affected. He has no movement in his, well, he's working on therapy, trying to get movement in his right side of his body and his speech has continually gotten better. It's just getting better every day. But yeah, for a while, like he couldn't really communicate real well. So he's kind of having to make those, those pathways again, but he got into a really, really good rehab hospital up in Denver, which is about 30 miles from where we are. And, um, so that's very encouraging. He's doing very well. Um, as far as the progress, it's just going to be a long, long road. And, and I think I love having our, the one thing I love about, uh, Doug, our, our lead pastor is he's just incredible, incredible guy. Um, and just lives transparently like, Hey, like he spoke this last weekend for the first time since the middle of January when this happened. And, uh, yeah, so it's been about a month and, and he was like, I, you know, I just want to let you all know, like, this sucks. And I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It just sucks. And we're still walking through it. But we just want you to know that not everything is going to always be this perfect wrapped in a bow life. And so, um, yeah, his it's his oldest son who's 22. And you wouldn't have expected that from just whenever a, you experience those times with like your pastor. Does that bring you closer to him as a leader? Well, and think, I mean, I get to work a lot with him behind the scenes. So I know like his heart for things and just seeing how he's reacting to this. I know it's tough on him. Um, and, and he's definitely still processing a lot of things, but yeah, in a way it, it brings me closer, but it also I'm like, this is just who you are. Like this is, you're, you're totally this type of person that would respond this way. Cause they have like a caring bridge site that they are updating. And, uh, at the end of like every kind of update they'll do every couple of days, he has like this pastoral like, now think about your life and is there someone in your life that you need to, you know, take, you know, what are the things you take for granted in your life and all this stuff. And like he gets real pastoral on the end and I'm like, that's just who he is. And so it's been pretty incredible to watch him process because, yeah, he he's not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, and he definitely doesn't do that in front of the whole congregation because he's like, you know, he realizes his position in leadership He's leading this church. He was like, I can't sit here and pretend this is all cupcakes and rainbows. Like, it sucks, and we're in the middle of it, and we have no idea how long this is going to last for rehab. So, That's awesome. Well, I mean, of course, the creative church, and I am already praying for It's Josh, right? De- it's Josh. Yes, his name is Josh. Definitely, Josh. definitely appreciate all of that. He's getting into some – it's going to be some pretty intensive rehab coming up, so just pray that that he makes a full recovery. Um, his brain swelling has gone way down. Um, they're still, you know, getting infection out from the sinuses. So that's all on track 
And um, so everything's looking up, but it's just one of those things that you never expect it to happen. So well, we'll be praying. Um, we do have a great show planned for everybody today. We though. do. Um, coming up later, we're going to be joined by my good friend and good friend of the podcast, James Adams. Also on today's podcast, we're going to be joined by Bethany Worship to talk about their new single, Speak. Ross, have you heard the new single, Speak? I have not. Oh, man. I, I Like I said, we were traveling a lot this week, and I probably listened to it at least 50 times, just on repeat, because it is so, so good. So we're going to be joined by them today, but up next is Trending. Welcome to Journey. Each week, Ross and I gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel about, feel is impacting culture, church, or creators, and we discuss it. Ross, what do you got for us this week? Well, um, this there's a series of ads that are getting a lot of attention um, called Hashtag That's Harassment, and um, it's produced by David Schwimmer. And... Um, who is your alter ego, Ross. Is my alter ego, no, no, no relation, Ross on Friends. Um, but in uh, December 2016, um, this writer-director, uh, Seagal Avon, has really kind of, I think it was in Israel, she created these short videos of That's Harassment. And then um, David Schwimmer picked up on it and wanted to produce it for... Um, a U.S. version and to to have the ad council do some stuff over here to get it moving, and especially in the wake of the Me Too movement. Um, they've had interviews with Megyn Kelly on the Today Show. Um, again, the partnership with ad council, um, the Rain uh, organization, it's Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, uh, R-A-I-N-N, and then the National Women's Center Law. I was going to say, we, uh, my other company, we do a little bit of work with R A I R A I N N. Yeah. Um, with some oh, projects cool. we do. So, yeah. So. And so, um, yeah, it's um, Avon and uh, Mazdak Rossi of Milk Studios are kind of making the films. And then David Schwimmer's helping. He's gotten a lot of great actors together to kind of, they're, they're literally taking real life examples of harassment um, and putting them into these you know, 30 second shorts and everything. And it's incredible to see like how normal of a situation it seems like for lack of a better word. And you feel uncomfortable in the situation and it's really has this really, the style they shoot it in, um, I think plays to the content really well. Um, so it, it's just an incredibly well done, well-produced and again, it's a little unsettling because these are based on actual harassment situations um, because uh, on the RAIN website, and we'll link to that in our show notes, um, some of the stats are like every 98 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted, and every eight minutes, that victim is a child, while only six out of every 1,000 perpetrators will end up in prison. So it seems a little backwards that, you know that that should be that way that six out of every 1000 perpetrators will, will face any time in prison. Um, but I think there's an important topic we can talk about, you know, just in light of our faith and, and from a church perspective that, that is very important. Um, and I think one of the first things is, you know, 
don't go to victim blaming, but go to vic- victim believing. Like automatically assume the victim is telling the truth because the the stats on victims that will make up something like this for attention or for whatever is very, 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 very slim. Um, and and you, you look at the Larry Nassar, Nassar, however you say his last name, with the Olympics um, st- scandal that recently happened, um, those women had nothing to gain by speaking up and speaking out. And the way that that all came to a culmination and holding people accountable within that has been pretty incredible. But and in many cases, while they had nothing to gain, they had everything to lose. No, exactly. The the first lady that spoke out, um, you know, is a successful lawyer and has a family and, um, you know, has stated devout Christian despite everything that went on. And, and, you know, that was some of the first things that she said she dealt with. Um, and I, I feel bad that I can't remember her name right now, but we can also probably link to her uh, story in the show notes and you guys can read that. And, and she wrote an article for, I believe it was Washington Post, just about how she came to bring this to light and how the support with the other girls came behind, but also all this victim blaming and all this other stuff. And, and it's just sickening to see because I think one of the questions that came out of it for me was like, how can the church, uh, you know, especially storytellers as we maybe try to approach this and bring light to this, like how can we approach this from a Jesus perspective? Right. And um, the David Schwimmer, that's harassment videos. They've been produced. Um, they're available right now. You can watch full length versions of them. Oh yes. On Hulu. They're mm-hmm. like six minutes long. Uh, I will say they're very cringeworthy and they're very adult content um, for some of our listeners that uh, care about that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. And especially and, for anybody that might have been a victim of right. sexual abuse or, or harassment. I got through about four of them and I was like, I finally was like, okay, it's I gotta, heavy. I got to turn it off because it's getting too, like, it was very emotional, emotionally charging me yeah. um, for what, for what was going on, on the screen. Um, but whenever I was watching it, I was kind of thinking, this is something that the church should have produced. Uh, this is something that, you know, we, we kind of position ourselves as a church as the quote unquote moral compass of the world, um, yeah. whether that's right or wrong, uh, that's what we're doing. And my question is, why weren't we producing this kind of content already? Yes, it's cringeworthy. Yes, it's quote unquote secular. It's uncomfortable. It's it's definitely uncomfortable. But but my big question, pulling away from all that, was why weren't we producing that content? Uh, Ross, you're a video maker. Do you have any answers for me? <laughs> I, I honestly don't. I think. Um, I mean, I, I do think it comes from a leadership thing, like. You can look at the church in Memphis that recently had um, one of the pastors have allegations of um, sexual harassment and abuse even, and how they handled that is completely the wrong way. And, you know, to me, I'm like, yeah, we need to, if we have a seat at the table as creatives, and these are stories that are important to us, because, I mean, Jesus put himself in between the Pharisees and a woman they were accusing of adultery. That needs to be us. Like we need to put, we need to put ourselves on the line for the victims, not sit there and try to second guess them. So we need to start from that place and we need to tell these stories. And I think it's more advantageous to, to be quick to respond than try to sit there, you know, for like a month and try to come up with this perfectly crafted response. That's just gonna, you know, completely encapsulate the church, your church's 
stance on it or your stance on it or whatever, like this is one of the things that you just can't wait on that time because the more the church is silent, just like this, it's David Schwimmer has taken this and created an amazing work, just not of art, but of social commentary um, that I think the church should most certainly be involved in. They should not shy away from these uncomfortable situations. I mean, if we, if we celebrate baptisms and people's lives being changed, um, you know, we also need to speak up and say, this is an issue and this is, you know, important to Jesus. So it's important to us because Jesus clearly showed that it was important to him. Yes. And I think, I think hearing what you're saying there, I I think it delves a lot into uh, confidence. The church is not very confident with speaking up on these social issues. Yeah. Um, Especially when it relates. It's a lot of fear. And it's so funny that we're even talking about this. My wife sent me this verse this morning, and uh, I'm going to read it. You know, we don't typically go Bible on people, but we're going to no. go Bible today. We got, yeah. we got church in the title, so we can do this. Absolutely. Um, but it comes from Romans 12, 7. It says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, generous, if it's giving be generous. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it to others gladly. And then verse 9, which is really important. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. And that to me is what God is telling us to give, to, to be confident yeah. in the right and to be confident in hating what is wrong. Yeah. I don't think our first response needs to be like, well, was it really harassment? Like, I think that can be an easy go-to and that just goes right into victim blaming. I think it needs to be, okay, harassment is wrong. The victim should really be the one to say, I felt harassed. Like we shouldn't define that for the victim. If they say they felt harassed, we believe them like on site, no questions asked. And so, you know, I hope that's the way we can go. And, And, you know, short of I'm not saying the church has to come out with any campaigns or anything, but, you know, maybe maybe they do talk with or have an interview with someone that has been a part of sexual abuse or harassment and have them speak on it and, you know, talk about how God has worked in their life through it, whatever that may be, and and not try to control the narrative. I'm going to interrupt real quick. You said you don't think the church should uh, come out with any campaigns and stuff. Honestly, I think we have reached a place now, especially in the creative arts, where we should be looking towards doing that stuff. Oh, and I, and, yeah. and backing these large campaigns to do things that are related to this and to have uh, commentary on these social issues in a creative way, much like David did with these that's harassment videos and uh, um, Sigel did with uh, with producing them. I think that we 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 now have a place to be able to do that and to be able to add social commentary and a moral compass to what we're doing, and not in a cheesy way you know, the Kirk Cameron version of everything, but but an actual legitimate creative commentary on things. Oh yeah, and and to be clear, I wasn't I wasn't meaning like the church shouldn't right. touch I, this regularly. I, I figured, I'm, I figured. I'm saying don't do it as a campaign that just right. lasts like a flash in a pan. Make it a part of your DNA. That's good. That's like speak good. out yeah. on these issues when it comes up, when it's yeah. relevant, when it needs to be. And right now, uh, it's gonna be quite often. Mm-hmm. So but and, I, and yeah, take, I'm not. I'm not saying make a make a campaign out of it so you can feel good for a little bit and then move on, or even like, pat yourself on the back that I'm yeah. doing something. But but I actually do it because you have conviction for it. And um, you know, before we leave this, I do want to just stress that we are we need to be confident in taking on social issues. Yeah, 
We need to be confident in taking and standing up for what is wrong. If we're already um, got in the Bible today, just look up Micah six eight. That needs yeah. to be the driving force behind how we see these issues. Mm-hmm. So take away, be confident, create beautiful art, and uh, and do it in a way that can actually uh, challenge people's thinking. I think that these videos that were produced mm. from that's harassment did that. And uh, I think that we should be doing that as a church. So, so my article today is uh, a little bit different, um, as always. Um, for my article today, I'm going to talk sponsorship, revenue streams, and the big bad Facebook. What do I mean? Well, content creators and page aggregators like Creative Church sell ad slots for smaller companies to get more recognition. They will sell uh, website ad slots. They'll sell Instagram story ad slots. Sometimes they'll sell podcast ad slots like we do here. Um, however, some of them actually sell... Facebook post as ad slots. So if you got a huge following on your Facebook page, they'll advertise that you can buy that slot and they will publish your content for uh, money. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. It's kind of a, it kind of feels a little sleazy whenever you read it. It's like, oh, that's kind of like nasty feeling. Um, but it's what some people do. And it's, it's, it's a major, it's a major content or excuse me, it's a major revenue stream for many, many big companies. Um, but according to a new article today posted by DigiDay, Facebook has updated their branded content guidelines, which will be forcing some publishers to abandon that business model. Uh, the change comes in uh, line six of their new guidelines, which says, do not accept anything of value to post content that you did not create, were not involved in the creation of, or that does not feature you. So that means unless you created the content, you were involved in the creation of the content or it features you, you cannot post it and you cannot have, uh, and you cannot, uh, get paid to post that. Um, these new guidelines will be taking effect on March 1st, but it's already wreaking havoc on many pages that have built a revenue stream off of their popular pages by selling ad slots. Do you, do you have an example of that? Um, one of the more, more popular examples is George Takaf. Takay. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. He does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how he has become, you know, he he takes his platform, and then he sells uh, slots to different. He'll share um, he'll websites. share an article because they paid him to post that article. Right, right. So he does that a lot, and uh, that's kind of his major, you know, revenue stream. It's not really it's not really hidden that he does it. He's kind of public about that. Yeah, um, got to make money. <laughs> right, right. You got to make money. Capitalism. But that kind of led me to the question: um, Are we putting too much faith in Facebook and social media? Um, I know that last few weeks, uh, Facebook changed its algorithm to exclude pages from users' feeds. And uh, now they're going to change this. It'll crush revenue streams of publishers. Uh, This is obviously going to continue as social media companies are going to change to match the profit interest of shareholders and CEOs, um, which will put us as users, it'll put us in a bind. And by no means am I suggesting that we should abandon social media. We have to be flexible and adapt to the situations as they occur. However, if you're worried that Facebook might one day crush your platform and leave you unable to communicate with your audience, I did have some thoughts as to how to uh, prevent that from happening. So my first thought was this. Users need to build websites to distribute their content and focus on good strategy to build returning visitors. So a lot of churches don't ever think about this, but your website doesn't just have to be a place for your community to come and find out your service times or get your live stream. (laughs) Believe it or not, that website, uh, most websites are equipped with a blog that you can actually develop content and push out to. Yeah. Surpri- I know, shocker. I know, shocker. Yeah. 
Uh, you didn't know that, but now you do. Um, <laughs> Geocities.creativechurch.com. <laughs> yes, uh, Geocities. Or actually, it's MySpace now. Oh, um, MySpace. We, we, we've upgraded. I mean, I hear it's an up-and-coming yeah. one. So. It's an up, uh, you know. This guy named Tom is, I think he's doing okay for himself. Well, yes, he sold it recently but uh, to like Justin Timberlake or something, but it's okay. He's got all that Super Bowl money. Um, second, second is to build an email list. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but email lists are still a thing. Ross got got me hooked on another email list. Um, <laughs> yep. Ross is kind of for those of you that don't know, Ross is my podcast and email list dealer. Um, you know, <laughs> he's my he's my uh, he's my uh, creative content dealer. Uh, so he 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 got me hooked on. It's called the Hustle, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's for those and now it, it is vulgar. So. For those that care about that, it is vulgar. Well, I haven't seen too many vulgar. I mean, they definitely make some tongue-in-cheek comments, but yeah. Uh, they said the S word in one post. Oh. So I mean, that, that's I, what I mean. For yes, those that don't true. like to read, you gotcha. know, it's not VidAngel approved. Okay. It's just not <laughs> VidAngel approved. Um, but it is it is a good newsletter, and I like it. I really do. Um, but you can build, you can do that for your church. You can do that for your organization. You can build email lists, um, and you can make cool things with your email list. You can do cool things. Just with using them in unique ways, because I feel like the hustle is a great example of uh, kind of doing an email list a different way that's not boring. Yeah, and and our friend Jonathan Mom, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, he built something called the Creative Weekly Review, and it's an email list you can subscribe to and get all the creative content from the internet, all the highlights. And uh, it's pretty cool. I, I, subscribed, I subscribe to that. But for churches and organizations, you guys can come up with creative ways to do an email list. Number three, if you're scared that Facebook is going to crush your audience stream and you're scared the internet is just going to take you down eventually, you could always build a mailer list. Mm. Um, it's money well spent. Uh, well, okay. Let me kind of, you know. <laughs> sorry, was my, my sarcasm sorry. too thick? So, your sarcasm was too thick. Uh, sorry. No, um. Yeah, money definitely well spent. No, um, whenever I say mailer list, I don't mean the mailer list that you buy from the post office. I mean actual customer member mailer list. Ah, like you actually have a legitimate. You're not. You're not just blowing a. Uh, it's not a shotgun blast. Yeah, it's not a shotgun blast. You're actually sending people letters that you know actually mean something to you. This one's kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but it's if you're just scared of the internet taking over. You know, by all means, number three, get a mailer list going. Ross, you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think um, the main thing is just keep an authentic voice. Um, yeah, we've talked about Facebook groups being a great place to have that conversation, that kind of thing. Like, look for ways to, and mailer lists can even be that if you can do almost kind of make it like update slash blog and like, have this really neat hybrid that speaks in the voice of, of where you're speaking from. Um, I think that'll be good leverage, uh, in, in, in any instance. Right. And in the end, um, the determining factor about all this will be how, how aggressively Facebook, uh, polices the platform. Uh, it all comes down to enforcement. Um, how is Facebook actually going to know that you, got a paid you know got paid to promote a post or if you or you really liked it so it all just boils down to that um but those are just some thoughts some 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 takeaways of of that and uh it's it's kind of interesting it's interesting to me especially because that's kind of the world we're in and i know that several several people who listen to the show are actually in that same world so really interesting yep that's all i got awesome well next up is our interview with james adams
James Adams is the director of Visual Media Church, which focuses on creating live action, motion graphics, and stock video for churches. Their aim is to equip and provide high quality resources to the local church with a kingdom first focus. Here's our conversation with James Adams. So give us a little bit of your background. What got you into to media in general and, you know, then wanting to share that with churches and all that and what you're doing now? Um, well, I mean, I got into media when I was about like 19 or 20. I was actually visiting a girlfriend at the time's college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was working in like a glass factory uh, running a forklift <laughs> and I went to like their TV production studio and I said, well, I'm definitely not the guy in front of the TV, but that whole graphics running the switchboard thing could definitely be something that I could do. And what ended up happening was I went home and learned all about Photoshop and, you know, Premiere and After Effects and decided kind of that's the route I wanted to take. So I ended up just kind of hacking together a portfolio to apply to college and made it in somehow and uh, <laughs> kind of away I went from there and basically ended up actually going down the 3D graphics kind of um, path and got a job right out of school working for a professional hockey team. So oh, wow. yeah, working in-house doing like all kinds of banner ads and promo videos and kind of filming with the players doing green screen. So I really got to do a lot and from that actually ended up doing a lot more video and kind of that's where I ended up landing fully after a couple of years working for the hockey team was doing video production mostly with kind of a background in visual effects and graphics. Yeah, that's a unique job to come out of college into is hockey different world <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean I, I am Canadian I do live up here in Canada so hockey is kind of something that uh we grow up with. Um, so really, it's just another Tuesday for Canadians. Yeah, it's, it's kind of another <laughs> Tuesday for Canadians, but um, I'm from an, an Irish immigrant family, so I didn't actually play hockey as a kid. Uh, like, my first time playing hockey, like, actually on skates wasn't until I was, like, 17 or 18, so ah. I, I was terrible at it. And uh, so, yeah, and then my, my dad is actually a pastor. Um, when I was a kid, he changed over from being an accountant at a big bank to becoming a youth pastor. So that was kind of like a shock to the family when I was like seven or eight. But through that, just got really involved with church. And as my dad became a senior pastor, started getting involved with, you know, the worship ministry. And um, later in life, as media kind of has grown, just really getting involved with media stuff at our church, um, doing video um, and just, you know, filming the news and doing some cool kind of intro videos. And that's kind of where I got introduced to like the world of church media. That's awesome. So what were some of your favorite or what are some of your favorite things about, um, media that you get to do? I love, um, I mean, I, I just love creating new stuff and like kind of seeing an idea from conception right to like finishing of it. Um, I mean, I get really excited at the kind of the planning stage and what it could be and dreaming up, um, you know, how to get there and, and create that. And that just kind of gets me really excited when I'm doing those types of projects. So, um, yeah, I love that. And I'm, I'm a big outdoors kind of person. Like I love being in the mountains, especially. And so 
when I can combine those two things, like when I get to be outside and filming a project, that's kind of where my heart is. And that's kind of like, that's kind of where I'm closest to God too. Like is when I'm out doing media in just beautiful surroundings in nature is kind of really where, where I get kind of fired up. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, because that can provide a lot of inspiration too. I'm, I'm guessing that's where you find a lot of your inspiration is just your, you know, nature surroundings and all that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I find my inspiration there. I also kind of tend to just find God there as well. Like in some of my lowest times in my life, I've taken, you know, a solo trip somewhere. Um, you know, back about five, six years ago, I was there was some things going on in my life and I ended up going down and just doing a solo hike um, in Torres del Paine down in Patagonia down in the southern tip of South America and so yeah I went out there for 10 days by myself and it was kind of I always refer to it as kind of like my Moses on the mountain moment where it's kind of like here's all the things I just felt God speaking to me like here's all the things that you've been doing kind of wrong and like you know in your heart of heart you shouldn't be doing and you know it's time to kind of come clean about those things even just with yourself and and with other people and just time to fix it like it's either you know this is a fork in the road and so I, I really have found that yeah, I really find my calling and I find my, my communication with God on, on literal mountains is, is when it's at its best. So like what, how has that shaped kind of your overall, you know, obviously you're doing a lot of stuff for churches and just in general, like kind of how's that shaped the why behind what you're doing and, and your hope for what media can do within a ministry setting? Um, like I found that, um, when I was in church, um, I started kind of noticing the media differently in that I found that like it was great for some things and at other times it just didn't speak to me. And so there was there was a time about two years ago where I decided like I, I want to start creating media um, specifically just for churches that I know works for me. Like everybody's different. So I'm going to just create stuff that I haven't seen that really speaks to me and you know, that was the outside nature stuff. And that's kind of led what to led to the idea of visual media church was, Hey, like I love seeing some of like, you know, the particle effects and things that other people are doing. But like what I would love to see is like what really inspires me to worship, which was outdoors filmed, whether it's, you know, waterfalls and mountains and just things that I see God in whenever I'm at those things, like whenever I'm trying to capture that moment. Absolutely. When I'm standing at a huge, huge peak like just breaking through the clouds all i can think about is wow god is powerful and that's what i wasn't seeing in church media and so that's really where i found that connection and that desire to be like well you know what the reason why i don't think that exists out there is because it's kind of hard to do like it takes a lot of extra effort to go and climb that peak and and fly out to wherever those mountains are or drive for With a couple all the of days. Gear. <laughs> absolutely the whole technical like, side of it absolutely and like i feel like that's kind of what you know, God was training me to do in that, like, I love doing that kind of stuff. And I love, you know, the, the six hour grueling hike to get the, to get the view and why not start providing that to churches. And I'm sure there's some people out there like me that would find that as a connection point to God. And like church media is never actually going to bring people to God, but I feel like it really can, can help in the, you know, the worship experience and, even some of the sermons with backgrounds and things like that. So yeah, for sure. Well, I live in the front range of Colorado, so we got, you know, mountains up and down. So absolutely. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. (laughs) I could live out there right where you are. Just live in a little cabin out out in the mountains. But yeah, like, and I just found like when I looked around, like 
not too many people had really done it or tried it. So that's kind of what I did. And, you know, I, I remember going to my wife who I'd been married to for nine months at the time and said, Hey, I'd like to spend some money and go by myself out to Iceland. And this is not a fun trip trying to get away from you, but here's my idea. I want to go and film just a ton of mountains and rivers. And are you okay with me doing this? And we had a few discussions about whether or not what I was trying to do. And, um, and then finally she was like, yeah, I see your heart and what you want to do. And that's kind of where Visual Media Church was born. It was born by renting an SUV in Iceland and, um, bringing my tent and sleeping in the tent slash on a few of the snowy nights, sleeping in the back of the car and just being up for 20 hours. Cause they have that midnight sun where the sun kind of, you know, rises. I've lived in Alaska. I, I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Just gorgeous. And that's what I did for an entire week. So that's kind of where visual media church was born by just spending an entire week alone out in the mountains, filming some of those, those first packs and kind of just starting to figure it all out. How do you, um, as you kind of are, you know, these, these are grand adventures you're taking to capture this stuff. And, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, um, you know, not only gear to do it, but a lot of willpower and I'm sure manpower. Uh, how do you deal with the limitations within all of that? Like uh, not able to get to certain places that you want or, you know, just the scope might be you know, a little too broad in your mind, but then you have to scale back as you're capturing. Like, how do you, how do you deal with those frustrating moments and those kind of um, limitations you might face? Um, I always start with like the biggest possible idea. So I'm always, I'm always having to scale <laughs> back and, and, you know, do that. But like, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I always try to do is at the end of the day, I'm willing to kind of like really work to get the shot that I want to get. And always aware that it's not going to work out. I was just two weeks ago down in Yosemite National Park with a, a buddy of mine from church. And uh, we were going to hike up to Glacier Point up there. And the road's closed, so you have to do the actual hike. And it's a, you know, it's a good three-hour hike up, just up. And so we we got up, and we started out on the trail at 6 a.m. And, you know, we're getting some good views along the way up. And by the time we got up there, it was just blizzard and no visibility, like 30 feet of visibility. And so we sat up there for the full hour, just waiting to see if it would kind of uh, if it would show itself, um, the half dome. And basically, we got nothing. So we walked all the way back down. And that was the day wasted. But that's kind of when you get into like nature and landscape photography, you kind of are always at the uh, at the mercy of the weather. And so that's kind of you just kind of always have that in the back of the mind. It's just kind of something you need to accept that it's not always going to work out. And then as far as even other grander ideas, like. I have like a whole list on my whiteboard here of places that I'd like to get shots from. And and now that I kind of have a, a one-year-old, um, I'm starting to think about how to connect better with other creatives throughout the United States, throughout the world to kind of come along with Visual Media Church and start helping to create some of those things that we do really well already. And so that's kind of like what's coming in the next year is connecting with some new people um, I would, I would love, and I'm starting to connect more with people through, you know, social media channels and, you know, people are sending me nice messages saying, Hey, I live out here. You should come visit. And I also do some photography stuff. And so that's, that's kind of definitely where I'm, I'm looking towards the future is just really partnering with church creatives. Cause what I've learned, um, do through doing uh, visual media church and stock hub is there's a lot of really, um, overqualified people who work at churches who are like, overqualified for the jobs that they do but they have a passion 
for working for churches and working um, for the kingdom of God, really. And so I've met some really talented people. And I'm like, you could be a full-time filmmaker, but you have this missionary heart. And that's why you're working for the church. But that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, while you're out doing the things that you love, um, be providing, helping to provide a great service to other churches also around the world. So uh, I'm doing a better job of trying to connect with those types of people. And there, there are so many of them as I, you know, I see like demo reels or videos from people who work from churches and they're just so talented. And those are the kind of people that I'm learning to connect with better. So as you're looking to the future there and kind of what you're wanting to do, I, I know that's going to be one way to kind of keep it fresh and, you know, keep some different, different perspectives on it. What do you, what do you kind of see as the, I mean, it could be the future of what, what you're capturing the content that you're producing um, or just in general, the, the media that you're seeing in church, what, what's kind of things that have you hopeful for media and the church in the future? I mean, I, I see um, media in the church really kind of starting to grow um, and just starting to think a little bit bigger. Like it kind of, I think as Christians, sometimes we, we hold back a little bit and we see the things that go on maybe in, you know, like Hollywood style movies. And we say, oh, we don't need to do that. We don't necessarily need to do that. But I see a change and like, I think it's okay for us to think big and, and want to do things well. Like, uh, we, we live like in an ever changing world and it's, and it's okay to bring a sense of professionalism and artwork and art artistry basically to Christian media. Like there, there is nothing wrong with that. And it's something that we should really embrace. And we have a lot of talented people within the church community that can, that can create high end, high, high level artwork. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of people even through our church up here, um, just outside of Toronto in Canada that, you know, are like do professional level, you know, painting, like who are selling paintings all over the world and they come in and they paint during a worship service and you just have to look and be like, wow, like this is, this is the best of the best. And so when I look at like church media, like I draw inspiration from, you know, big budget Hollywood films and say like, that's the target, like that level of quality, that level of excellence, that level of professionalism should be the goal. Like, why not? Right. Why not try to push and be better and make everything that you do um, just just have excellence and just be as top level as you possibly can? So that's kind of that's what I see people starting to embrace more. I you know, I, I there's just a lot of changes going on and. I see people starting to embrace the idea of doing live footage and people starting to embrace, you know, 4k and HD and, you know, like just some next level stuff. And that's kind of one of the goals of visual media church. And I mean, we did, we've done a couple packs like where they're aerial packs and, you know, we've, we bought a drone. Um, we bought a really good drone and we said, you know, let's go fly this drone like in the mountains and, like through the peaks, like let's not think small. Let's think like how do we make a cinema level aerial shot and how do we get those out to churches, you know, all over the world. So that's kind of the driving force too about what, like what I see is just like look look for the absolute best you can see out there in the world and then do your best to try to, to hit that.
Also joining us today is James Stockstill, the worship pastor at Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for the past five years. He and his wife have two beautiful children, and outside of music and ministry, he enjoys spending time with family, good coffee, golf, and food. James is also the writer behind Bethany's latest project, a beautiful, impactful worship song called Speak. Here's our conversation with James Stockstill. Last year, um, you know, every year at the beginning of the year, we'll usually have a theme that we're, you know, pursuing that year or doing as a church. And last year it was speak, um, just that one word. And um, our whole church was going through the one year Bible. And the whole year was just centered around asking God to speak to us. And um, so probably in the middle of last year, around July, um, I was we were nearing a recording week that we were going to do the next week. And I was just saying, man, I would love to have something that is kind of a, um, you know, a part of what we're doing this year as a church and we're asking God to speak. And it was a huge part of my life personally up until that point too. So, um, yeah, I think that's what inspired it is, um, what we were doing as a church, what we were all going for that year. Now, while I'm enjoying the song, I'm not musically inclined, uh, nor do I really seem to understand how the writing process works. Uh, So when I hear something like speak that kind of captures the essence of my own thoughts and prayers, I can't help but wonder, how does that process work? Can you kind of speak into that for me? Well, I, you know, I, I think with a topic like this song in particular, maybe it's 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 easier to talk about just because I feel like we all desire to have that intimate personal relationship with God where we feel like we can hear him speaking to us um, and, you know, feel that he's near, feel that he's close. And I think the the process of writing this was just saying like, um, you know, the first two lines, I want to hear you louder than the noise. Okay, in my life, in all of our lives, there's noise, there's these things surrounding us that keep us from hearing God. And it could be, you know, media, it could be a a host of things, but there's noise that keeps us from hearing that. And that's all of us, you know, distractions we're fighting through and, um, and wanting to feel God close, you know, that's a desire of all of our hearts. So I think um, just naturally, like this, this topic lent itself to relating to a lot of people, I think. And um, it was my thoughts on it, but I, I think it has spoken to a lot of people just because it's their heart's desire too. And, um, and then thinking about like, I'm asking God to speak, but he's been speaking. You know, um, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And when God spoke, you know, things were created and, and made and he's been speaking for all of time. It's what holds us together. And um, the things that he's saying to us now are no different than what he's been saying for all of time. He's, he loves us. He's with us. He's for us. He has a purpose and a plan for us. And I think those thoughts and those realities are life-changing. 
Now, you said whenever you were writing this, you guys kind of had a, a, an end goal in mind. Uh, does that help whenever you're you're developing a song or you're writing a song? Absolutely. I think I think going in with a mission or an end goal in mind helps you kind of stay in bounds. Um, you know, it just it brings like if you were writing a paper or doing anything, having parameters that you're going for really help you not only finish more quickly, but really help you articulate what you're trying to communicate. You know, it's a singleness of focus, a singleness of um, of thought. And so having having parameters is so helpful when writing a song. Whenever you're hashing it out and you're going through the editing process, uh, you know, for Speak, it's four, minute, four minutes long. Uh, and it kind of changes tone as it's, uh, uh, you know, for those that haven't heard it, it kind of changes, you know, the intensity throughout the song. Um, it's almost like I would describe it kind of two songs in one. Uh, so my question is, how, whenever you're editing that, how do you know when it's ready to go, when it's ready to hit send? Um, I would say like 10%, well, at least for me, maybe 20% is just like a personal knowing, like I'm digging this. And then the other percent is just showing people and seeing their reaction. I have several people that are close to me that I kind of run stuff by and you know, this song was different for me in the sense of like literally in 10 to 20 minutes, the whole thing just kind of dropped on me. And um, I remember showing it to the girl, Casey, who actually sang it. And uh, when she came in, I was like, check this idea out. And watching her reaction to it, you know, really spoke to me. And I was like, okay, we're, you know, this, we're on to something here. And then the more I showed it to people, the more like the feedback was just like, oh my gosh, this is like unreal. Um, so I think by the end of it, honestly, I there wasn't much that I touched to it. I had a, an alternate bridge that probably wasn't as good, and I changed one line here and there in the verse. But for the most part, and that's definitely not the case for everything that I've written. Have you had any creator's remorse after you've released it? Like something you've been like, oh, I kind of want to go back and change that? Or has it just been you know, completely perfect in your mind? Man, uh, I guess to be completely honest, I've, I've really been happy with it. And um, I'm such a perfectionist that anytime I do anything, I always have a zillion things I would want to change about it. But for this, I, I really just I have a piece about it. And I'm so thankful that um, it's out and I get to share it with people and um, people are, you know, getting touched by it. Is there any certain lyric or any certain phrase that's in speak that, you know, would say that really impacts you the most? Um, several of them, but I love the, um, the thought of being captivated by the unseen. The fact that, you know, obviously we can't see God personally face to face, but the fact that his presence is so tangible and so real that when we feel it, it's literally captivating. And although it can't be seen, it can be felt, you know, I've, one of the lines is deep within my soul burning, like just this deep feeling, this deep knowing that God truly is real. And uh, I think that that one line really sticks out to me, that God can still captivate us even though we can't see him. Found in surrender My heart is fully yours Caught in the moment 
where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer in our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Last week we asked you, what is the worst purchase you've ever made? We got a ton of comments on this one, so here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading. Jordan Kerbeam said, My MacBook Air. Turns out I'm a Windows guy. He was immediately removed from the group and blocked, and I believe he has deleted his account. So, yes, well, we asked him to delete yeah. his account. Well. Yeah. I take that back. Um, he wasn't. He didn't delete his account. Windows deleted his account for him. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, during during some random update. That yeah. Some random update. He couldn't even. I don't even know yeah. if he can listen to the show now. Probably. He probably not. doesn't. He, yeah. He probably doesn't. Anyway. Uh, Drew Hoey said, and this one's a long one. Uh, he said, "I say worst hesitantly, because it was still a good experience and a good life lesson about waiting on God's timing. But my wife and I bought a sailboat for five thousand five hundred dollars." With the plan of living on it. Mm. We downsized everything and we had to spend a few months working on getting it moved, ready to move in. And then long story short, it didn't work out the way we dreamed. We ended up basically giving it away to someone because we still needed to get it off our hands to move across the country for my current job. There's still a part of me that uh, wants to hold on to that dream. And one day we might be able to have that opportunity, but it will all be in God's timing instead of our own. Uh, that one was really interesting to me. I have n- <laughs> so much backstory. So much backstory. I feel like I feel like we did not do our journalistic due diligence on this one, but uh, there is a lot more questions I have for this one, which is: In what part of the country are you living where you can live on a sailboat? First, yeah. Second, living Near on a, a sailboat is that a thing? Yeah. Like, can people do that? Apparently. I can live on a sailboat, Ross. I mean, we've all seen the episode of The Office when Andy goes on the sailboat. Right, but he's so, sailing that boat. He's living on it, though. Well, he, he was living on it for that's like a, that's like two months at a time. Yeah, you, I mean, like, you got to go on land to get some things every once in a while. But or you know, as soon as Amazon has the drones, they can just drop it off on your boat. And so permanent residence sailboat—that's an option. I I think it could be. I mean, why am I why am I asking you? You're in a landlocked state. How would you know? It's true. I, I, I honestly, no. I should know this answer. Yeah, you're, um, you're more likely to know than I. Yeah. Well. I don't know, and now that I now that I know that this is an option, this might be this. You might hear me broadcasting from my new <laughs> sailboat next week. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know I could do that. Uh, Lauren Burke said a phone that was not an Apple product. My trusty iPhone 6s is still going strong after several years. R.I.P. to my many many Android devices. That, Ross, I put this one in here for you. This I know you an, did. This is an intervention. I'm on um, my Google Pixel two that I absolutely <laughs> love and. Have had minimal issues with the only the only issue is um, Apple people complaining. Yeah, well, we do so. complain a lot. We put this in here for you. Um, I, I was trying to get some of your friends to join me today. Unfortunately, they would not yeah. join me. So um, it's just me they, because they know I've made a right decision. So well, they no, couldn't get your text. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, then that wasn't even my phone. That was an iPhone user. <laughs> so uh, Cody Dahlman uh, said, "I know him. You know him. Yeah, I, do I, know I him. figured you knew him." Um, sometimes I wonder if my degree was worth the thousands of dollars. Mm. Cody, 
I, I don't know. I never went to college uh, aside from Bible college. Uh, I, I'm going to say no, it wasn't. It yeah, wasn't worth it. Depends. depends if you can go into like what you were wanting to go into. Right. Yeah. Which I'm assuming look, Cody has a liberal arts degree. Is that, I mean, I don't know. You know him. Yeah. He's, he doesn't. He's a smart he dude. He's a smart dude. He's a, he, he's very easily self-taught. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe he, he, he learns a lot more on his own, I think, than probably <laughs> what he learned in college. But that's just because he's That was my smart. case as well. Like, I, I just learned more better on my own. Yeah. More better. More better on my own. There you go. Ooh. Um, April Peter said a zip printer. It sits in my purse. I've used it like two times, which a zip printer is like a little personal size photo printer, like yeah. really small. I know going into this, I had no idea what that was. So, so it's like a, you know, instead of a Polaroid where it actually prints out of the camera, it's the little printer outside of your camera. So yeah. it's actually kind of cool. If it yeah. worked, I think I would have got one. Or if one. you needed it, which yeah. obviously April does not. Well, um, this week we learned something pretty amazing about our very own Roscoe Jones. Um, so I thought it would be good to learn more about you, our listeners. Therefore, this week we're going to ask, what are three weird facts about you? Ross, mm-hmm. you've already told us how you got your nickname, Roscoe Jones. Did. Um, tell me, what are two other weird facts? I don't about know about yourself? weird facts, but Jones Soda has, they do uh, kind of crowdsource their labels, the pictures on their labels. And after about 13 years of trying, I finally got a picture on their label. That's on and off trying, not not regular, like, sending stuff in. But every once in a while, I'd send in a batch of photos. And finally, uh, this past year, they, or in 2017, I, they sent me a letter saying it got put on some labels. And they sent me a few um, clean labels with the picture on it. So that was kind of cool. But they didn't send you a bottle of soda with the label. Oh no! I actually ended up finding one uh, in our town. So oh, that was okay, cool. So I have a bottle with my picture on it. That's awesome. What's and another then, weird fact? Huh? Number two. What's another weird fact? Number two. Um, I I once won a inflatable raft, two person little raft, um, in a cow milking contest at the local grocery store in my hometown that I grew up in. You know, I I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I'm surprised by that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. that was fun. There you go. Now, weird facts about me. Um, I, I was trying to come up with some really weird ones. Uh, I think one of them is I moved halfway across the country to live next to Disney World. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, that can I take, be weird. I've taken my obsession a little too far. Um, uh, I guess number two would also be I've only been to Disney World like 18 times since I've moved back. And uh, you'd think I'd go a lot more, but I don't. Um, Try to think. Third weird fact. I it's this is hard. In, anything with your height? Oh gosh. I mean, you, you probably just have six, things you just kind of gotten used to. I am six foot seven, and people look at me with, like they are disappointed. And oh yeah, oh hands. yeah. The the other weird fact, like I think we've covered it before, but like the yeah. no sports thing. Yeah, the no sports thing. Everybody assumes foot... you played a sport, but you're like, uh, no, no. I, this even happened. I was in Tennessee this week. And we were at Home Depot, and this woman stopped me to ask if I played basketball or football. <laughs> and uh, she worked at the Home Depot. And if you're listening, I don't know if she is. Uh, Doubtful. Um, uh, I did want to. I did want to retort to you. Are, is is Home Depot like building a team or something? Uh, yeah. Why would you stop to ask me that? Yeah. Uh, are they off, are they low on their intramural? Yeah. 
team? Like, they're sponsored are you team. Asking me if I want to play tonight? Are they sponsoring like a like a youth league, and they yeah. wanted me to come out and you know be the ringer for the for the sport team thing? Yeah, yeah. So those are those would be the two weird or three weird facts about me is I'm really tall and I don't play sports, and two Disney facts because that's yeah. just how I live. Because you got fired from Disney. Oh dang it! <laughs> I did get fired from Disney. That's a story from the, for another time. That is. Maybe you can so, read that in the Creative Talk group. Maybe we can do that. If you yeah. want to answer this question of the week, you can do so by joining our Creative Talks group on Facebook. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also l- release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. And you can show this podcast some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and more people can find us and learn about our uh, cow milking skills. Yeah. Well, that's only Ross who has the cow milking skills, but yes. Um, lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us by searching our handle creative church. That's one word. CRTV church. Special thanks to James for joining us today. You can check out all that he's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. Uh, and thanks to Bethany for worship for stopping by, check out their latest single and download it wherever music is sold. Also, uh, thanks to Stock Up for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out and sign up for that 14-day free trial. Uh, next week, we got a big show planned for you. We got a we got a new, uh, what, what would I say, a new addition. A new addition, Ooh, addition. coming to the Creative Church Podcast. And um, it's, it's pretty exciting. We're, we're really excited. So make sure you listen to next week's show. Uh, in the meantime, I'm Nick Goodner. I'm Ross Montgomery. And we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Also, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Creative Church.